Hey, you guys, now this message is for anybody. Okay, God, you got our attention. Now what? I am that I am. Lay off me, I'm starving. What is up? Welcome to Pastors and Pastries. My name is Adam. I'm a pastor and I love pastries. So thanks for tuning in to my guilt free pastry eating show. Just kidding. Today's guest, we have Kelly McCoy on. He is the young adults pastor at the Rocky Peak Church in Chatsworth, California. And what a great dude. Um, not only is he handsome, he is smart, he is knowledgeable about the Bible, he is funny, he is so caring, and he loves people and he loves God. And um, you can definitely tell that by just talking to him. We first met through my wife. Uh, when we were first dating, she was working with him as his admin assistant at the church that they went to at the Rocky Peak Church. Um, we first met, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but we first met at a 4th of July thing. And since then, this guy's just been a great guy. Uh, every time he sees me, he gives me a big hug. And I hope you get to enjoy this conversation we got to have about his journey and his his way through um, life and t- into ministry. So without further ado, Mr. Kelly McCoy. All right, Kelly McCoy. All right. Welcome to Pastors and Pastries. Uh, thank you so much for being on this podcast today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, my name is Kelly McCoy. I'm a uh, young adult pastor in Chatsworth, California, and I've been doing it since 2016. Uh, I didn't grow up in the church. Found Jesus on the street when I was like 16 years old back in like 1996. Um, <laughs> so yeah, street evangelist. Talked to me about Jesus, scared the hell out of me, <laughs> and then I started following Jesus ever since then. And um, you know, eventually went to seminary and became a pastor. And so I'm fortunate enough to be featured on your podcast. So thank you. Wow. Yeah, of course. I'm super excited to have you. The reason we know each other is because my wife Haley uh, actually worked for you as uh, ad- admin assistant. Correct. I think that's what mm-hmm. it was. She was yeah, every- admin assistant. Yeah. Admin assistant, <laughs> producer, programmer, announcement writer, script writer, copywriter, and then and video <laughs> editor. Like we just right. She is a a a jack of many trades and a master of many trades. Yeah, she's great. She's really yeah. great. Um, and when we first met, it was Fourth of July. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was Fourth of July oh. twenty. 18, I think. Yeah, 2018. It was the rock, oh, the you, young adults. You, yeah, America. Fourth of July party. Yeah. Yeah. Up yeah, on the rock big Ridge. field, the big. Yeah. And wow. you were, you, you came down in a golf cart and you were like, hey, how's it going? I was like, hi, I'm Adam. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I know who you are. Like, you're Haley's boyfriend. I said, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm him. And it yeah. was a bromance ever since, me and you. For sure, man. It was Man Crush <laughs> Monday, even on a Tuesday. <laughs> like I thought, you know, Haley got caught herself a good one, and I was really grateful because I really, you know, really want to make sure that she's, you know, headed in the right direction with the right people. And I, you know, I'm so grateful that you're a part of that story. Oh, me too. Actually, yeah. she she's a big part of my life and, and my journey. So she's she's been a huge blessing from God for mm-hmm. sure. Um. 
besides pastoring, just real quick side note, you are a DJ as well, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, so part of my, my story, which I said earlier, is that like, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home or even had family that really supported, you know, uh, any type of faith tradition. And in fact, I was raised just by my mom. Mm. And so she really couldn't afford to, you know, support any of my endeavor endeavors um, outside of just going to school. And so eventually, when I got old enough to like make a decision about where I wanted to go in life, I decided that I wanted to be in ministry full time. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know how I was able to afford that <laughs> other than just to start my own company. And so at the time, I was working for a bar mitzvah company, okay. uh, DJing and dancing. And I figured I could do that. And I could, and I, I only have to work on the weekends. And depending on how much people want to pay me, I probably don't even have to work every weekend. <laughs> and so I started a DJ company, as one does, to support their ministry addiction. <laughs> and that's how I ended up going to schools, going to seminary, doing missions trips, uh, you know, all on the backs of you know, weddings, corporate events, and uh, bar and bat mitzvahs. Man. And then, yeah, so that's why, so I started, you know, Deluxe Entertainment because I really needed to fund the kingdom. Yeah. Just like Paul did when he was, uh, uh, you know, he was making you know, tents. You know, banging away at tent poles. Yeah. You know, you were just you scratching know, so it up on the ones can, and twos. Yeah. And, and, and introducing, you know, brides and grooms and, <laughs> and telling people to cut cake as many times as possible yeah yeah so do you still do that i mean you still do it uh occasionally right as more of a hobby now yeah i mean occasionally like yeah yeah i I, um i still i still take corporate gigs corporate events um again like my life is full i have two kids now and um my ministry responsibilities have grown to the point where i don't have too much of a capacity to um to do events Mm um that require that much time and energy so typically i um i just i just take on like larger corporate accounts and or larger weddings yeah and that that plan maybe six to eight months in advance yeah yeah nice that's that's super cool going back to so going back to 16 years old a street evangelist um and Mm -hmm. you you heard the gospel for the first time um yeah what was it like that moment where you're like, okay, yes, this is, I'm, I'm going to be a minister or I'm going to do this forever. Or was there a period of time with like searching sure. and finding who God was and experiencing him first uh, before the call to ministry came into your life? Well, th- thank you for asking that. Cause like sometimes like depending on the podcast or the conversation, I, you know, I can, I, I love to talk, you know, I'm very grateful that I get the opportunity uh, to stand in front of people every week and share what I think God is uh, trying to teach his people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, when you asked me about my, my early childhood or, or how I you know came to faith, I didn't know how detailed you wanted me to get. So, uh, but I love that I get to share this part <laughs> of, of my journey because it's, it's one of the most, you know, pivotal expressions of my my faith walk that i can even remember it's the first it's the first pivot of my faith journey yeah um so so yeah basically i was walking home from school um one summer and this low rider honda civic pulls into this donut shop 
and a nicely dressed Filipino man looks back at me and and motions for me to come over and I walk over there and he he says, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, if you were to die today, where would you go? Heaven or hell? And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this guy's going to kill me. Like, this is it. (laughs) If I say heaven... He's going to think I deserve to go there. And he, th- and I, you know what? He, he, he may think he's doing me a favor. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm not looking for any favors. Right. <laughs> or if I say hell, I think he's, you know, maybe thinks I deserve to go there and, you yeah. know, do the world a favor and rid the earth of me, which I don't want them to receive any favors either. <laughs> and so I was very deliberate about my response and I told him, that um i don't i I don't think about those things like i i don't know and so he told me he's like well i can tell you how you can have eternal life and you know how you can have eternal life and then from there subsequent he walked through the bill bright four spiritual laws they Mm -hmm. worked then and i think they work now he told me that god loves me he did you know designed me for a relationship with him but the reason why that relationship is strained or distance is because i have sin in my life and god is perfect and i'm not which i agreed and the wages for that sin is death so that's you know what died was my relationship with him and and what happens is all humanity dies as well uh, but jesus came to die the death that i deserve so that that relationship could be restored i'm like yes give me some jesus please <laughs> um in so many words uh, and then he's, and then he invited me to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and be the leader of my life right there in front of a donut shop. I bowed my head, closed my eyes and received Jesus into my heart, wow. uh, whatever that meant. And I didn't completely understand it, but what I did understand, I trusted in that, yeah. you know, fast forward, you know, 30 something years later. Now here I am. But since then I, um, uh, decided at that moment that I wanted to tell other people about Jesus because I believed right then and there that Jesus was the way to have this this gap, this strain, this broken relationship between us and God restored. And I believed all my friends needed that. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, I decided that I wanted people to know about Jesus and I wow. needed to learn as much about Jesus as possible. So I was like listening. So I was like memorizing the track you know, cause I didn't have a Bible. So I just had that track. So I just re- read the track and I found like this Christian broadcast, you know, network, which was kind of wonky and weird, <laughs> you know, um, you know, but, um, you know, my wife, my, my mom used to like, you know, notice something was different every time that she walked in the door on the TV. Hmm. Um, she would notice these like dots on the TV, you know, when the TV was off. Yeah. And, um, but what, what was happening is, the the pastors on the TV would always ask you to reach out your hands and receive. And like, you, you'd you be know, touching the TV. Healing. And so my, my mom always noticed my hand prints on the TV. <laughs> and she's like, why are there hand prints? I'm like, oh, it was an earthquake. I had to catch the TV. It's a tremor maybe, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's crazy. And, so. Um, so, uh, but before that point though, did you had no idea about God or who God was, or was it just like, you know, no, like my mom's Jewish. My mom is a Jewish lady from okay. Encino, and like she couldn't, you know, she took me to Hebrew school maybe once or twice, yeah. but she couldn't afford to keep me in the schooling system. Yeah, uh, and she wasn't like you know committed enough or had a regular enough schedule to decide to go to synagogue on Saturdays hmm. or Thursdays, whatever. Um, and so we never went, but I loved it. I was always interested, but I, I, you know, I was just. I had to come up with my own ideas of who God was. And based on what I was seeing on TV, I always thought it was like a, you know, 
you know, I don't know, like, 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 I don't know, like a warrior princess or some sort of, you know, Greek God or some sort of Hercules or some sort of, you know, transformer, you know, like (laughs) I I didn't really have like a, like, like a, I don't know. I never had a feel like any theological, like standard to base, to base reality on. Yeah. So I never knew where, you know, I didn't know where we came from. I had, I had to come up with my own origin Hmm. or my own meaning for life. Or, or my own desire for morality. I had no reason to, to be a good person. Um, uh, I, I didn't know where I was going to go when I was die. When I was going to die, um, I didn't know where people went when they died. Yeah. So origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and you know, I, I didn't have answers to any of these things. Um, but I would try to reconcile those things, and they would come up, and I wouldn't be able to articulate it then as well as I'm able to articulate it now. Yeah. But. You know, God was a mixture between Santa Claus and my imagination and maybe some sort of Kung Fu mysticism. Hmm. Like, yeah. Like, so then, so you met this guy at 16 and did that, that kind of like put things into better perspective for you then. Yeah. Yeah. So everything just felt like this is the most reasonable conclusion for why the world is the way it is. Hmm. And, And I was like, and I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Why there's so many Christians. Like there's, they're, they're like everywhere. Yeah. And like everybody, everybody, there's a lot of Christians and there's a lot of people who want to be Christians. And I'm like, oh, this is why, Mm -hmm. like, like, like you you actually believe you have the complete answer. Like I don't, and, and I don't have to, I don't have to be a good person. Like this Jesus is for bad people. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, I'm like, whoa. Like, uh, yeah. And, and I just, I mean, now granted, like, you know, I, I think for sure it it had to do with my heart being right for it. And now that I'm like a Christian, I, I am learning to let go of my life Mm. in ways I never thought I, I needed to when I became a Christian. But nevertheless, I understood that this was good news because hell is what I deserve. I'm like, okay. And here's the thing. I didn't really need much convincing that I deserved help. <laughs> um, you, you know, there, there's a lot of people who need more convincing. They actually think that they're good people. And I'm like, how is that possible? Like, this world is so messed up and broken. <laughs> like, um, but, but yeah, like, you know, I didn't need a whole lot of convincing that I wasn't perfect. Um, and I knew I needed a savior and and again like again it just felt very logical at the time and then i realized i, I don't have to, it doesn't feel logical it actually is logical yeah then i started studying philosophy um i started studying uh theology i, I studied logic and i realized like out of all the claims that are being made in in all the different worldviews that i've been exposed to mm-hmm. uh, i haven't yet i've yet to meet or i've yet to be exposed to a worldview with greater consistency and, and greater verifiability and, 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 and yeah, yeah. Verifiability that the, that the claim that they're making regarding its faith or its worldview, like is inconsistent with what I see in the world. Mm-hmm. Like this is again, the, the most consistent um, and the most verifiable um, worldview that I think is available to humans and like and there and there's historical evidence to back it up and so once that happened i realized like like i just need to learn about apologetics yeah. and 
And I would just like listen to Hank Hennegraaff, who was like the early apologist yeah. back in the 90s on KKLA. Then I listened, you know, C.S. Lewis and uh, 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 um, 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 Ron Rhodes used to be the, a big, big guy in the apologetics okay. world. Ron Rhodes, he wrote a bunch of books called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Jehovah's Witnesses. And when I was in college, I would just always get in arguments with JWs. <laughs> Um, because I would, the cool thing about JWs, which I love, and and same thing with Mormons, is that I have a heart to reach people so much that like, I would go on the street, I would knock on doors. I'm happy to do that. But the best part about Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses is they knock on your door, right? And they want to talk to you. And I'm like, yes, come in, please. Uh, you want to talk about Jesus? I actually want to talk about (laughs) Jesus. Um, and that you know, I've yet to be successful, but uh, in, as far as you know, being a closer, <laughs> uh, like the guy who closed on me. Um, but I, you know, at, at the most, I want to put a rock in someone's shoe. Hundred percent, yeah. Uh, when they consider the claims of who Jesus is today yeah. and who Jesus claimed to be back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you, you said that you were hiding the fact that you were, you receiving prayer from the the TV pastors. Did you, did it take a while for you to to tell your mom about this new, new spirit, this new, just Jesus guy that you just fell in love with? Um, And was she accepting when she found out? No, no, she was just dismissive. Like she, you know, like my dad was out of the picture of my life early on. So my mom was working at Vons Mm -hmm. um, all the time. So the day that I gave my life to Jesus, I, you know, he gave me a ride home and I, um, I, he, yeah, he gave me a ride home and, and dropped me off. And I walked in the house late and my mom's like, where have you been? And I said, well, mom, you know, I'm a little bit late because she was like, where have you been? I've been trying to page you. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you put a Oh, you just dated here, yourself. Like, oh. <laughs> I know. And a pager is like a little calculator that talks to other calculators. <laughs> Um, and in case you don't know what a calculator is, it's kind of like these, I don't know, <laughs> I don't even the, know how to explain a calculator. They're the things on the ER TV show that doctors used to get messages on. Yeah. 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 They're like, they're like, you know, when you're, it's kind of like when you're, um, when you run out of reception and your battery's low, you can only make like one SMS phone yeah. call or whatever. Like it has to be that much of an emergency. <laughs> it's kind of like that all the time. Um, so my mom's like, where, where have you been? I'm trying to page you. I'm like, well, I, you know, you know, I got de- derailed. I was talking to this Filipino dude. I got Jesus in my heart. I think I'm a born again Christian now. She's like, you're Jewish. I got to go to work. Oh. And then she left. And I'm like, I don't know how to be Jewish. Like the only thing I know about Judaism is that like, I can't eat the pepperonis in my hot pocket, <laughs> you know, um, it's just cause there's cheese and you shouldn't eat hot pockets anyways, unless you're trying to play cruel, <laughs> cruel joke on somebody <laughs> um they, they, yeah it's like nice and crispy on the outside yeah. might even be cool to the touch but don't believe Scolding it hot on the inside, inside yeah. it's a molten <laughs> lava volcano <laughs> it's horrible it's such a bad joke man uh, uh so that's so i mean so she was dismissive so at yeah. first did she i mean um as you as you grew in your faith and as you grew with your walk with Jesus, did she did she ever accept as well or come around or come to understand where you're yeah, coming from? I, I 
I don't, she never displayed an understanding of what um, I believed as much as I attempted to reason with her regarding this is what Moses wanted. This is the path. Jesus is the Passover lamb, you know, and if you like ask him to forgive you of your sins and come under his leadership, the angel of death will pass over you and you don't need to fear death any more than you need to fear going to sleep. And, um, and I just don't know how much of that she understood before Mm -hmm. she died. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, my mom has always been somewhat like a aloof towards what I believe, but was grateful that I believed it. Mm, yeah. And the best way I was able to honor my mom was by following Jesus yeah. and loving her. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, that's really beautiful. Uh going from so going from high school, did you go straight into seminary? Oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm not, dude. Okay, so I'm like, I was like, and this may not come to a surprise. Uh, this may not be a surprise to you, but I was diagnosed early with ADHD, mm-hmm. um, and I went to a school for kids with behavioral problems and learning disabilities. So graduating high school, uh, because it was a behavioral modification school the time and energy that they would have put in towards like teaching me algebra or like teaching me how to write papers or how to, you know, uh, how to even type nevertheless, or even use a computer, um, was all, all that energy, all those resources were, were, were like given towards how to just sit still and how Mm. to like, you know, be quiet when somebody else is talking or, you know, just basic, uh, social, um, cues. Um, and so when I graduated high school, I went to Pierce college and I just failed miserably because the expectations of, you know, of, of, because what is expected in a college course was not even anything remotely close to what I experienced in high school. And so I, um, I, I failed. I flunked out multiple times. I got academic probation too Mm. many times where they sent me a letter saying, you can't register anymore. You're making us look bad. And I'm like, really? You're Pierce college. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, not bad. <laughs> and and uh, so I decided that I'm like, oh, well, like maybe I'm not called to be a pastor. Maybe I'm called to be a mm. missionary because like, you know, global missions, they don't really care about your education. So I just signed up for the, the first, you know, thing that resonated with my yeah. desire. And my desire was to become an urban missionary in Australia doing hip hop oh, dancing. I mean, as one does. And, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I want to be a hip hop missionary in, in uh, Australia. So I signed up with a group out there, and I went out there in two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah. So I lived in Australia for a year, did missions, came back, uh, and I and while I was there, I was I was like I got inspired to go back to nice. school. I'm like, I'm like I'm gonna give this a go one more time. Like I'm gonna live a god sized dream is what. Um, you know, Tommy Barnett was calling it back then. And so I'm like, I'm gonna live a God-sized dream. So I came back 2005 and I became a high school youth pastor in a small city called Moore okay. Park. And, and uh, they hired me for a salary of living in someone's house for free. I'm like, deal. <laughs> like, that's the deal. 
And so while I was there, I, I signed up for a Biola Bowl degree completion program, which was a an, an adult degree completion program where you would, you know, meet in groups of mm-hmm. other adults. And there was like a heightened level of accountability and and they were patient with me and, and I eventually got my bachelor's degree in a uh, bachelor's degree in organizational leadership development, which I am neither organized and I don't know if I do a great job of developing other <laughs> leaders, honestly. So um, I don't necessarily know like me carrying that degree makes them look good uh, at all. Uh, but I'm I'm still growing in it. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I have uh, a theater degree and I'm a pastor, but, so um, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That means you're patient. <laughs> you're really patient. No. So Trust that's me, that's yeah. really cool. So uh, you ended up getting that, and then so you were a youth pastor at the time. How long did you do youth ministry? Yeah. Oh, well, so I was doing high school pastor. I was a high school pastor for five years until uh, 2010 okay. in Moore Park. And then in 2010, I graduated, and I decided that I was going to go uh, get get my go for some higher education down at, at Talbot okay. Seminary. And so I moved down to La Mirada, started my DJ okay. business, and um, and then started pursuing my 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 master's in nice. apologetics. And were you doing ministry at all during and, that time yeah. while you're going back to seminary, or were you just were you just kind of yes going to school and, no. and going to church? I, yeah, as a, was, I, I was going to school. It was a really hard time relationally for me uh, because I didn't have a community or accountability. Uh, but I, you know, but people still knew, knew me as the DJ uh-huh. pastor, and so I would still get hired to like speak at camps okay. or people's youth groups or churches, and um, and so I would just preach itinerantly. While while uh, still going going to, to to seminary, but but like yeah, not having accountability or community in my life, even while in seminary, was like mm-hmm. really hard because the relationships that I developed weren't always the best, and um, and it was the first time I've lived on my own, and and it was just like a really mm-hmm. hard yeah. time and, until until I started you know go um, going to a church down there. Uh, it was a church plant called city church that later dissolved and um and it was a church plant that was really geared towards reaching long beach and the the pastor's heart was great evangelistic regarding it but it you know he also struggled with organizational (laughs) leadership development and um left to his own devices without the support Mm. that he needed um uh, that that church ended up folding, but I did what I could to just be yeah. a part of it and set up it every more, you know, every Sunday. But that's where I met okay. my wife, Michelle. Uh, so the church died, but hey, our love lived on. What a good on. story! They should write a book or something. Yeah. And so, th- <laughs> so that was 2012. Yeah, 2012. I met my wife um, there. So two years after I moved down to La- Orange County area, uh, I met my wife. And- um, like 2011, and then we got married 2012, and then I started working at a church down there for nice. two years, and and I learned yeah. a lot. And then in 2016, I got the call to come back to. That's Rocky awesome. Beach. Was it hard going from being a youth pastor where you're doing ministry every single week to taking that break and just speaking occasionally to then going back into a ministry role where you're in ministry every single week? Was that ju- was that like 
uh, I don't know, mentally or emotionally, was it was it hard to do that transition? For me, I can imagine it would be it would be kind of a a struggle to get back into the flow of things of weekly ministry uh, as opposed to just speaking at camps or you know different churches uh, as one offs. Okay, so so yeah, your question is like, hey, like, how did you get back into we, weekly yeah. ministry from having two basically yeah. two years off? Um, well, the good thing is when I was working at Mariner's Church, I wasn't the primary mm-hmm. preacher. Uh, I was one of four pastors okay. in Orange County uh, working at that church, and I was predominantly in charge of all the programming. Uh, which again, Haley will know that. <laughs> I mean, like, like I was programming like at a mega church for for two years, and I have an entertainment mm-hmm. background. Like they had me like overseeing all their outreach events, and weekend programming was event driven program. That's what they did. They we, they they were an event driven yeah. wow. ministry. And so, uh, and occasionally I would preach, but the preachers that I was working with were so awesome. And I just was left feeling super insecure. So I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm fine. Just put me in the back. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and organize this and I'll DJ the parties. Um, so, but, so I was, but I was preaching occasionally and, and I actually wanted to preach more and I didn't, and, um, I just didn't preach a ton, but like, it was really good preparation for that when I would you know when I left there in 2015 and came to Rocky Peak in 2016 it was great preparation because now I really wanted mm. to preach more and I you know Rocky Peak was was very um you know resourceful when it came to bringing on uh like a programmer producer or yeah. or admin and so I I was very fortunate to have the um opportunity to do that and and even to this day, I like I don't always take advantage of the opportunity to preach every weekend because I do think the congregation, yeah. especially young adults, benefit from hearing other voices, uh, and it also it also helps them look look forward mm. to your voice. Like trust me, if you preach every week, right? You know, like like eventually you you yeah. it's it's yeah. white noise. Right, but if you take a couple weeks off and you come back, then they're like really engaged. I, maybe you've experienced yeah. that yourself, Adam, or Pastor Adam, man, man, Adam, Pastor Man, Adam. Um, like if you go speak at a a, a camp, yeah. they think you're yeah. awesome, right? But you're but you're the same pastor that like all the kids in your yeah. youth group were sleeping in, you know, like they're snoozing, you know. Um, the week before, but the next week you preach at somebody else's church yeah. and you're like, they're locked in. And so like you have to, kind of, I, I've decided that I'm going to, I'm going to create that for my young adults. Plus number two, because it takes 16 to 20 hours to craft yeah. like content. Um, it's nice to have that time to dedicate towards the message that, that you're going to be preaching in a couple weeks. And, um, and, and if you have a preaching team or a teaching team, it gives you those those that space so that you can not just yeah. work for the ministry, but you can you can work yeah. on the ministry because there's things in the ministry that you need to attend to that require some of your time and energy that that would inevitably take away from your preaching preaching prep time. But the thing is, the reality is like you don't have the 
preaching prep time that you yeah. need every single week. And you don't want to give them a microwavable meal that you cooked yeah. up on yeah. a Friday. Yeah, that is true. So, or a Sunday or even or whatever day or that your Saturday ministry night. lands on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Do yeah, I mean, I, I think we've all been there too as pastors that life gets busy outside of your ministry or life gets busy inside of your ministry. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I have, it's, it's mm-hmm. nine o'clock the night before and I have a title and that's about it, you know? Yeah. Right. And, and the thing is, is that like everybody expects that this is the best part of, this is why we hire, like, this is yeah. why you're here. Like, and, and when I look at the book of Acts or when I look at, you know, Paul and Peter, like what we care about is what they say. Number one, number two, um, they made sure to delegate responsibilities outside of the preaching and teaching and praying so that they yeah. could focus on those things. Right. That's why there was a soup kitchen full of like leaders so that the apostles didn't have to be taking care of the widows the way that mm-hmm. the soup kitchen could. And so the soup yeah. kitchen took care of itself and, you know, the apostles were able to, um, you know, continue to evangelize. And not, not, not saying that those things aren't, aren't important. Those things are important because if people didn't volunteer for that, yes, the apostles would be pouring right. soup for, for widows and orphans. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that wasn't important. I'm just saying that they had a specific calling to get this message from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And the thing that was yeah. going to stop it was yeah, the yeah. soup kitchen. I mean, that's why we have leaders in the ministries, right? I mean, we have we have the the pastors, and we have a leader team, mm-hmm. and we have a volunteer team. And uh, all those people are, are mm-hmm. just as crucial and just as important as the pastor leading the ministry. Because without them, then the pastor wouldn't be able to do his job as effectively. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I get that. That's great. Yeah. And that's what I love about, you know, about your ministries, what I've experienced from Danny Haley back when she was working with you is that you guys had a huge team of volunteers that loved serving. Um, and, and your leadership team too was, was just dedicated to serving. And it showed from the top down that you guys cared about people and that everyone's specific job was designed so that people get the best experience out of, out of coming to that ministry, which I really, I really admire. I really love that. Mm, thanks for saying that. Yeah, of course. Um, so then you come to Rocky, you go to Rocky Peak, come up to Rocky Peak, and then you're in charge of um, young adults then and college age group, right? Yeah, yeah. So young young adults. So you've gone from, I mean, you've gone, you've done youth group, you've done uh, associate pastor, and now you've done college age and, and young adults as well. Uh, what what do you think is is there a difference between any of them, or are they is it the same thing, uh, just different yeah. titles? Uh, it's just the pe- people. I think. I think I still have. A, like, I still love high schoolers, man. I really do. <laughs> I think that's really what drives me uh, for young adult ministry and college ministry is because when I was a high school pastor in 2010, like I, I, I did it for five years, so I was able to see like a whole class graduate, and mm. and then I saw like ninth graders turn into tenth graders, turn into eleventh graders, turn into seniors, and then leave, and I just saw like like the moral decline, like, you know, in the mascara, mm. in the makeup, in the jewelry, in the comments, in the descriptions, in their bios. And I just thought like, man, they are becoming something that I, 
no matter how much time I give, the 52 weeks a year for five years mm-hmm. I give, like I cannot help but to think that their community is shaping their reality. And mm-hmm. when I would see them graduate and there was not a community for them that was pointing them to Jesus, um, I, 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 oh, my heart broke, you know, yeah. and, and I just felt like, well, I, I'm a community builder. I, I would like to, to see a community on the other side of high school ministry. Um, because when people, when these kids were graduating from high school, they were quote unquote graduating from their faith. And all it took is one, um, one English professor to, to, yeah. to or a philosophy professor to prove to them that truth is not knowable and doesn't exist. And that we all came from some cosmic goop or life is a, a series of accidents. And, you know, just because, you know, and, and, and just because they can poke a hole in the, lo- in, 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 in the logic or, if they could poke a hole in a cartoon version of Christianity, yeah, that doesn't mean that Christianity is false, right? Just because they, you know, and, and the, the, you know, a, a philosophy professor in your, you know, your, you know, your junior college could 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 straw man Christianity, um, yeah, and you can't defend it, mm-hmm. like doesn't mean that Jesus isn't real, right. Um, and so, you know, and so that's kind of where I was like, man, I just really think that that if there was a community on the other side of high school ministry, like maybe we can make, make a difference in some of the people's lives that wouldn't otherwise uh, walk away from their faith journey. Yeah, oh, that's great. I really love that. That's really good. Plus, in that time frame, too, at least my experience was I was really trying to find my identity and my purpose within myself at that point. Um, and if we don't have that, that community to say, Hey, you know, you're not alone in this and we're all going through the same thing and we're all relying on God to get us through this. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Um, but college, college will tell you, this is your time to, you have to decide you, 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 uh, what are you going to do? Um, and it, it doesn't really point unless you're going to a Christian college, you know, it doesn't really point back to a community. Well, and it's, and it's subtle, like, because the, the, the idea is like, you you get your eyes off your maker and you and you think you think the answers are found within yourself but yeah. when you look inside yourself to find yourself you realize there's nothing there yeah there's nothing there right and so who we are has to be determined by who made us mm-hmm. right because early in life like we 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 are who our parents tell us we are right you know i tell my son you know who he is yeah. Right. Right. I tell him that, you know, God is a shepherd and he is a little lamb. Right. I'm like, he yeah. thinks he's a little lamb. He just <laughs> he sees a picture and he's like, oh, I'm that. Right. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, you know, I also tell him, you know, who's in charge? Daddy's in charge and I love you. That's all you yeah. need to know right now. You don't need to know how long it's going to take for us to get to, you know, <laughs> the, the theme park or wherever. And it's like, yeah. you know, your job is to obey listen and learn and then and play right yeah and so he 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 will thrive you know with a a father figure that creates clear boundaries but also has lots of room for play and fun Mm. um yeah and then as he gets older he's gonna look to his friends Mm -hmm. yeah then he gets to college or high school then his teachers are gonna say look inside yourself yeah and hopefully he opens the bible 
remembers the lessons that he learned from his dad. Yeah. And he'll look to his heavenly father and ask him to yeah. determine who he is. And now I'm here as an adult pastor, still struggling with insecurity, trying to trying to derive my identity from who, what God thinks rather than what you think or whether mm-hmm. than you know or whoever the listeners are or what or whatever my, my, my boss thinks or my colleagues think or my wife thinks. Like that's I still struggle with that. I constantly yeah. have to say, Jesus died for me. I must be pretty special. Mm. Right. Regardless Amen. of whether you think I am or not. Yeah. Like I really yeah, have yeah. to think like, okay, the God of the universe went out of his way to die for me. I think that's enough. That, that's enough validation I need for today. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's you great. Know? That's a good reminder. Yeah. One day, one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of your, of your wife, I just want to touch on it real quick. She, now she's not in, she goes, she's a believer obviously, and she's, but she's not in ministry. Her job is in ministry. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, in occupational ministry, like she, yeah. you know, she, she grants me the freedom to, to do ministry uh, while taking care of two kids. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, a, that's a crazy job, but she also works at the church as, uh, as you know, overseeing social media and photography. Okay, great. So yeah, that's awesome. What, and, but when you guys first started, when you guys first got married, um, was that, uh, I don't know how to say this, was that uh, easy for for you to be working in the church and doing full-time ministry and her not being in full-time ministry? Uh, no. Uh, no, no, no. We both needed to not be working at the same church when we got married. We were fighting all the time. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. but she like, she was like, like leading girls groups and stuff like that. You know, we gotcha, were like, yeah, yeah. we're good with that, uh, doing life groups. But like the first couple of years of marriage is tough for, yeah, at least for us. Yeah. Like we, you know, we've been married, we, we, we will be married 11 years on December 12th. Congratulations. And I, and I, and I'll tell you, man, like we've been happily married for seven years. Hmm. Right. Yeah. We've been married for 11 years and like. The first four years, man, we're tough. You know, it's hard. You're I mean, you're, un- you're learning each other. You're learning, you know, different things about yourself. At the same time, you know, it's a it's a learning experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, the yeah, her not being in ministry is a great thing. Um, but she she was also like doing acting stuff, mm-hmm. and and I and that was that provided that just put a lot of tension in our relationship. Um, because, you know, like I hate Hollywood, like, mm-hmm. and every Christian thinks they're going to be an evangelist to Hollywood. Who, mm-hmm. Every, every Christian I know who is an actor thinks that, you know, they're an evangelist in, in Hollywood, but that's not just, but, and here's the thing. They are, they mm-hmm. are right. But, but that's how. That's that's what Britney Spears used to tell herself. That's what you know Justin Bieber used to tell himself. That's what all these you know Chris Hemsworth used to tell himself, right? And then they get devoured by the beast, and maybe they get successful enough to do something about it and come yeah. out of that. Um, maybe, but this it's but it's but it's not statistically significant. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I I'm so sorry. I didn't even you didn't ask. No, it's okay. Yeah, it's but fine. I just I hate. I hate the entertainment industry and um, it just needs Jesus so bad. Yeah, it does. Um, it needs it Jesus does. so bad. 
and um, and I I pray for the for, for the believers in Hollywood um, to be really good at what you do to a point where your directors can't live without you, mm-hmm. and you would be willing to walk away. I just really think that you know Hollywood makes its money off of the idea of becoming famous, yeah. and if we just let go of becoming famous, then we can say no to whatever job that competes with our morality. Yeah, just yeah. let go of. Of let go of the desire to be famous. Yeah. Right. Being famous is not a sin, but wanting to be famous is. Yeah. And so that's just my biggest thing. It's like, you know, we just don't want to be, we just don't want to admit that the carrot that's on the string for Hollywood is fame. Hey, get in line for this movie. You know, yeah. we can call you. Here's more fame. Uh, comes an idol. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, that's everybody's idol. We all want to be known. Right. Yeah. That's true. I mean, that's why I moved to California is I wanted to come out and, and be an actor and be known and make a lot of money doing silly things, you know, <laughs> for for 12 hours yeah. a day and then collecting a big check. Yeah. 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 If you could do it without compromising, it's just the women get the women get it the worst. Mm hmm. Because you, yeah. you're instantly objectified. Yeah, that's true. That can happen. So, yeah. You could come out and be silly, not really like be morally be in morally compromising situations. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. But girls, they don't, they don't get that. They don't get as many choices like, like that. Yeah, in, that's in, true. In, in the industry. So. Yeah, that is true. If um, Real quick question. If you weren't a pastor, what would you be doing? Oh, dude, I'd be an MMA fighter. For 100%. real? 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> I would be a cage fighter for the UFC. That's awesome. You know, there's all the sitting down and typing got me all oh, my arthritis, <laughs> you know? But yeah, I, I'd be yes, I would be, I would be a cage fighter. That's I could see that actually. You're, you yeah. you seem scrappy. I think you'd be, you'd I mean, be a little yes, wirely out there. But I would, <laughs> no, I used to love jujitsu, and um, I've done some krav maga and stuff like that. Um, I, I you know, but but it's like a chess game to me, so it's really fun. And, that's cool. Um, I know, so that's what I, what I would do. Yeah. That's awesome. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. That that's a great answer. Um <laughs> yeah. if you could sum up Christianity in one sentence, what would that sentence be? Oh, Christianity is a forgiven, forgiver, forgiving. <laughs> Wait, a Christian, <laughs> I would say a Christian is a forgiven forgiver who forgives until they die. Mm. Um uh but yeah, Christianity is um, you know, the good news is that God loves you, the bad news is that you don't love God. The good news is that he loves you too much to leave you there. And so he sent his son to die for your sins. And if you ask him for forgiveness, um, he is faithful to forgive you. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So come get you some Jesus. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on our podcast, Kelly. Yeah. I really do appreciate your time, especially on a Saturday, um, taking you away for an hour from your family and your kids. But if, if there, if you're writing a book, if you have anything you want to promote right, out there, you know, feel free to do so now. Uh, if you want to put your your hat in the ring for the next MMA fight, uh, now's the time to oh, do yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm not promoting a book. <laughs> yeah, I'm not promoting a book or anything like. I, you know, you know, I actually am thinking about um, um, creating a, uh, a a forgiveness document, a forgiveness curriculum. That um, maybe one day will come out. That'd be and, cool. Um, yeah, I'm teaching people how to become unoffendable. Yeah. Um, but 
but yeah, you know, if, if you're in the, you know, Los Angeles area and you're 18 to 25 on a Sunday night, come to Rocky Peak Young Adults. Uh, and we're at the church at Rocky Peak, Sunday nights, seven o'clock. Nice. Awesome. That's great. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. Uh, go have a good Saturday and we'll talk soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Me. Don't Bye. worry. Pastors and Pastries is hosted by Adam Tucker, proudly produced by Paved Path Productions. We want to give a huge special thanks to Kelsey Egan and Gracie Shedd, executive produced by Adam Tucker, producer and sound engineer Haley Tucker, theme song by Brandon Liu and Lou's Music, sound mixing by Brandon Liu. Thank you for listening to Pastors and Pastries. You can check out all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts released every Friday. Follow us on social media at Pastors and Pastries, all spelled out. And until next time, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.